welcome to the conversation about BL, aka the Brown Liquor Podcast. And there it is. I'm Ben. I'm Nini. And we're your drunk Caribbean uncle and auntie who are sitting on the porch in the rocking chairs. Four times a year, we pop in to talk about what's going on in the BL world. We shoot the shit about stories, all the drama going into them. I review from a queer media lens. And I review from a romance and drama lens. So if you like cracked out takes and really intense emotional analysis. If you like talking about artistry, industry, and the discourse. And if you generally just love simping. There is a lot of simping on this podcast. We are the show for you. part three of the vibe awards we will be awarding immortal technique focusing on all of the production and other support roles that are not the people who are crying or laughing or screaming on our screens all the time nini please review for the audience the categories we have and our processes This is usually our favorite episode all year because we get to talk about all the behind the scenes stuff and all the behind the scenes people that make the shows truly great, that just give them that extra dazzle and pizzazz that really sells us on the stories. This is where we talk about, as Ben said, different aspects of production. We talk a little bit about writing and direction. We usually start out talking about music, and then we move into the rest of production, and we swing by writing, one of my favorite things, and then we usually end up on direction. So I think that's the trajectory we're going to take. I mean, we may tell ourselves that we're creating something of artistic value, or there's some sort of spiritual dimension to the picture business, but what it really is, is this fat cat. Nick Skank, out in New York, running this factory, uh, serving up these lollipops to the, what they used to call the, the bread and circuses for the, the, the. Now you listen to me, Buster. Nick Skank in the studio have been good to you and to everyone else who works here. If I ever hit you bad-mouthing Mr. Skank again, it'll be the last thing you say before I have you tossed in jail for colluding in your own abduction. Eddie, I wouldn't, I would never do that. Shut up. You're going to go out there and you're going to finish Hail Caesar. You're going to give that speech to the feet of the penitent thief and you're going to believe every word you say. You're going to do it because you're an actor and that's what you do. Just like the director does what he does and the writer and the script girl and the guy who claps the slate. You're going to do it because the picture has worth and you have worth if you serve the picture and you're never going to forget that again. I won't forget Eddie. Damn right you won't. Not as long as I run this dump. Ben. Go out there and be a star. We always start with music because as Ben reminded me in our little warm-up, I care a lot more about this than he does. I would just award boys some pop every year. Like, oh, did Boyd make a song? <laughs> An award for my favorite boy. <laughs> and he did this year. Twice. It wasn't even on my radar, bestie. I'm so sorry. 
And he produced Nunu Chowarin, who we awarded last year. Boy Song Pub is a staple and a legend. Unfortunately, he is not on our list this year. He's on my list always. Don't worry, Vesti. <laughs> so Ben and I have very different musical tastes. And as Ben would have mentioned to you guys, I think last year, I am very sensitive to music because I can hear pretty much close to perfect pitch. And it is physically painful for me when music is not good. So (laughs) when I tell you that a song is good or that the music in a show is good, know that it is being filtered through that particular lens. Our first award of the night is going to go to Best OST Song. This award is given for the song as recorded. So how the song is composed, how it's produced, and how it's performed. Whether the style of the song matches the show, how the song is used within the show, and honestly, whether I will listen to the song every time or whether I'm going to fast forward it. I will let Ben kick us off with the runner-up for best OST song. Ben, what did you have on the list here? The runner-up for best original soundtrack is Plumeria from I Feel You Linger in the Air. Performed by Cocktail. Music by Tetonwad Rangtong. And Own Cocktail. Lyrics by Si Chen Li. Arranged by Kom Mahadamrakul. Tetawat, Rangtong, and Cocktail. Plumeria in I Feel You Linger in the Air has this really beautiful string component to it that I really enjoy. Of all of the songs we heard this year, it was the one I felt put me in the right mood as I was going into the show every week. And I think about the song sometimes more than I do a lot of the songs that we've heard this year. It's a beautiful song. The orchestration is incredibly impressive. I am a person who loves to hear real instruments. I also love some electronic music, but there's something about real instruments and deep orchestration that puts me in a certain mental and emotional place. And Plumeria is a really beautiful song. Just thinking about it now, I'm visualizing the elements within the story of I Feel Your Linger in the Air. It's a very effective song for setting mood, like Ben said. So Plumeria is our runner-up. The winner for Best OST Song is actually going to Japan this year, to Futatabi from The End of the World With You. Performed by Hiroba and Otsuka Ai. Music and lyrics by Atsuka Ai and Mizuno Yoshiki, arranged by Sutaya Koichi. I love the Immortal Technique episode because we just get to read out lists and lists of names of people who you have probably never heard of but are really running shit. If any of them or their friends or family hear this episode, I apologize if we butchered your names. I am doing my very best with Japanese pronunciation. I am trying extremely hard. I want to get it right. Fitatabi is the song that plays of the end of every episode of The End of the World with You. 
it penetrated my consciousness from the very beginning. But the episode where it really, really connected is the episode that ends with all of our heroes screaming at the meteor to go away. They want to live. There is something about it playing over that scene that just sent it into the stratosphere for me. And ever since that moment, every time I hear that song, it just makes me think of that sentiment, that I want to live sentiment. It has so much hope to it, so much desperate hope, so much absolute refusal to give up. And it's just a beautiful song. So best OST song goes to Futatabi from The End of the World With You. I'm really glad you talked about how you felt emotionally about that song, because I just finished showing a friend the Pornographer series, which was made by a lot of the same people who made The End of the World with you. And I feel kind of the same way about the OST for that show as I do about End of the World with you. There is a similar emotional component to it where the weight pressing down on you is so heavy, but you really don't want to give up. And I feel like that team is really good at capturing that. The End of the World with You is a great, fantastic show. And if you guys haven't watched it, you can go back to, I believe, our spring series, listen to us talk about it, catch the show. We think it's incredible. And you'll get to hear Futatabi in context. And hopefully you'll agree with me. We're moving on from Best OST Song to Best Music. The Best Music Award covers all the music that is used in a show. So the scoring, the music supervision, music editing, and the use of music in the show. Ben's going to come again here with the runner-up for Best Music. Oh, it's I Feel You Linger in the Air again! Congratulations to the team at Banana Sound Studio. You all were fantastic. I often feel like the mixing on Thai shows is too loud. And I often feel like the musical choices can be really distracting. Even in this show, it's a little too loud for my taste. But there's a fullness and a richness to the way all of the sounds and music are really used that I don't find it distracting. I think it fits the overall tonality of the show because this is the big Sunni romance show of the year. And it's okay for things to be a little bit bigger. I think I Feel You Linger in the Air is an excellent example of Thai music used really well in a very Thai production. And I really want to note how much I really enjoyed the use of traditional Thai music in a Thai historical show. I have to concur. The music all over I Feel You Linger in the Air and the way it was used were really fantastic, really helped sell the emotional weight of the story, and particularly the decisions of where to use music and where to use silence, which I think is equally important. Great runner-up. The winner, and Ben's going to shade me about this because last year I told him that just because something's a musical, it doesn't automatically win best music and i will maintain that the winner of best music doesn't just win it this year because it's a musical but because of how they use the music and the winner of best music this year is my school president 
composer Tong Atapal Rujira Prawat and Okomo P, music supervisor. The way that the music is used in my school president, the way that it's constructed, where they use originals, where they use covers, where they use diegetic music, where they use non-diegetic music. For those who are not familiar with these terms, diegetic music is music that is occurring within the context of the story. So this is music that can be heard by the characters, basically, while non-diegetic music is not heard by the characters. So that's usually musical overlays, soundtracks, things like that. My school president uses both. It uses original songs, it uses covers. It has very interesting scoring, I thought, aside from the jukebox musical feel of it. And the jukebox musical elements themselves were also phenomenally used, I think. Basically, somebody put a lot of effort into making the musical make sense as a story, emotionally and through the characters, more than just making the music entertaining. It turned the music itself into a story because if you go through the songs in order of when they appear in the show that trajectory that path is also telling a story i think that this was so well done that is why it wins the best music of the year and now audience if you can imagine nini sitting in a brightly lit room and then suddenly <laughs> the lights dim <laughs> A moment of shade. How dare you? <laughs> you shat on my favorite little musical from last year. You didn't even watch it. I did not. I started watching it you and I still scoffed. intend to finish. I never scoffed. How dare you? I even said, I even said that the episodes that I did watch, I thoroughly enjoyed the music. I just haven't finished it yet. I love that show. I'm not accepting that shade because I have never shaded Rainbow Prince. I liked Rainbow Prince. I just have not had time to finish it. I love the music that I heard so far from Rainbow Prince. I did not shade it. All right, back to the serious. I really enjoyed the music of My School Present. I had a lot of fun with it. Nini and I ended up selecting different songs that really stick with us, but I really liked... Let me tell you, that was still my favorite one. That one gets me, I think, the most of all of the songs they did in that little show. A lot of fun. For me, my favorite song is the Palmy cover. It's the first song that they sing. Unfortunately for them, I am a fan of Palmy. And while it was very cute to see these teenagers sing Palmy, they are not Palmy. Of course they're not Palmy, but that's the <laughs> point. It's a cover. <laughs> it was fun. It was an okay cover. I especially like that when they do do the covers, so the chinchilla band in My School President, they call themselves a Britpop band, which, mm, debatable. However, all of the cover songs sound exactly like a high school band that thinks they're singing Britpop would sound, which I thought was really clever arranging and composing of the songs. I was definitely impressed that the song sounded like a high school garage band. When I did relent to awarding my school president, it was because the music felt properly tuned to the characters themselves. And I thought that that was clever. 
It's well done, man. It really is well done. I don't think I've seen a use of music like that in BL. And hopefully it's not the last time we see a use of music like that, whether it's in a musical or not. Moving on from music, we're now moving into the rest of production, the Best Production Award. This is the award for basically all the world building stuff. So this is production design and art direction, set design, costuming, hair, makeup, sound design, coloring, the aesthetic specificity, basically all the things that contribute to what I like to call the vibe of the story. The runner up for best production is If It's With You from Japan. The production house MBS. The production designer is Sasuke Yamamoto, and the art director is Satoshi Nonogaki. I love Japanese production, and what I love about Japanese production is particularly Japanese set design. Japanese locations and sets, I think, are so well done, and they tell you so much about the characters and the environment that it's happening in. I always talk about how I love on screen looking at a Japanese apartment because the Japanese apartment is so specific, not just to Japan, but also to the characters. You learn so much about characters in a Japanese production just by looking at the environments that they're being placed in. When it comes to if it's with you, you get a sense from Amane's house what his life is like. You get a sense from Ryuji's house because Ryuji lost his dad and he's working a lot to help his family. There's a little bit of a chaos to his house, but then there's the corner where his dad's shrine is, and that is perfectly maintained. It is clean and organized and everything. I love the production design on if it's with you if you're coming from american television and you primarily watch thai bl you're going to be paying way too much attention to faces when you watch japanese media and if you are only watching the faces of japanese actors you are likely missing 60 percent of the show Space itself is such an important component in the way the Japanese construct their stories. I talked about this in other episodes about how they very much believe in the foreground, middle ground, background, all having different elements of active storytelling. If It's With You is probably one of the better examples of this phenomenon this year, primarily because it's so short. MBS was able to spend their money in a really effective way, and there's so much to observe in the way their hair is styled, the clothing, the lighting in the scene. Someone wrote about the way the light is used in the confession scene Amani has when he runs away. You have to pay attention to more than just dialogue and the expression of strong emotion on an actor's face when you're going to watch Japanese media or generally any media from a country other than your own, because you have to start learning that culture's film language. If It's With You is a great one to go watch again if you've already watched it, to look at these other elements with the set design, with the costuming, with the hair and makeup, with the lighting is trying to communicate to you along the way. 
we didn't really talk about the hair and makeup particularly on Amane. I thought it was incredibly clever because Amane is kind of portraying this happy-go-lucky free spirit and everything about the way his hair is styled, the way he dresses. It's all in service of him putting that face out to the outside, but he is masking. He is a sad boy masking as happy. My favorite type of gay. Let's move on to the winner of the best production category. Best production this year again goes to a Thai team. It goes to D Hup House, production designer Takanta Kultrakam, and art director Lee Fung Puan for I Feel You Linger in the Air. I Feel You Linger in the Air in totality creates this beautiful vision of what Thailand looked like outside of Bangkok a century ago and tries to imagine how those people might have used the spaces they existed in and moved around them. And there are a lot of really beautiful details down to the type of cutlery that's used, the way they use the plates, obviously the costuming they wear, but even how they have people sit and move around, the way they create the illusion of space with their locations. It's a really excellent piece on every level. It's so rich and you can feel so much environmental storytelling going on with the location itself. And then there's interesting interplay with the house and the past and the present. It is just so excellently done. It is probably the most visceral show that we got to watch this year. The world that they create feels so believable that you almost feel like you could touch it. It's really hard to do that. It is not easy. Congratulations to D-Hub House because, goddamn. They put their foot in that and no lie. Moving on to my main bitch, best writing. (laughs) When we're talking about the writing in a story, we're talking about the idea behind the story and setting up the characters. The story itself, that's the structure and the plot and character development. We're talking about screenplay, and then we're talking about script, dialogue, cadence, character voice. All these elements come into the best writing. We actually had like a little spat (laughs) over awarding this category. Just a little one, not a big one. We ultimately agreed on who the top two were, but we couldn't agree on who was going to be the runner-up and who was going to be the winner. I'll let you talk about the runner-up. The runner-up for best writing is La Pluie, written by Fluke Tirupat Lohanan and Tanachot Prapasri. La Pluie is one of the best two, obviously, written stories of the entire year. There is no flab to that story. That story is written intensely. The way that they build out the world and the characters, the way that they set up the premise, the words that are put in the characters' mouths, the way that the characters are developed, the fact that it allows characters to be wrong without being villains. In terms of not just fiction, but genre fiction, which is incredibly hard to write, it is incredibly difficult to write genre fiction that does not feel made up 
of course, all fiction is made up, but genre fiction, there has to be an element of believability to it. You have to sell the idea in such a way that it feels real. It feels like something that could happen. The way that La Pluie sets up its world in the writing, the concept of this rain-deafness phenomenon feels like a real thing that could happen in the world. So you've set up the genre fiction side of it. And then onto that, you add basically a retooling of the entire idea of romantic fiction. It's so cleverly done. It's like they looked at, and this is very clear. I mean, it's even in the show. It's like they looked at a Nora Roberts romance and said, we're going to take this to the next level. We're going to show you what this would play out like if we did it in the real world. And then we're going to subvert that. We're going to twist it. We're going to turn it on its head. But it's still going to be recognizable as romance. It is some of the cleanest, deftest writing that I've seen in a while. Mapluli is one of the best written shows of the year because you can refer to specific episodes, start talking about a couple of details, and the audience will be right back there. La Pluie has less than 15 seconds of recap going into each of their episodes. That's how strong the writing is in that show. Like each episode is covering specific ground that they don't really need to do much than remind you with a couple of shots where we left off. And you can go, oh, okay, yeah. And we're right back in it. I don't want to gush about La Pluie too much. I have much to say about La Pluie. I will not go on at length here. Winner for best writing of this year goes to Mame, May Orwan Vichaya Wanakul, for Wedding Plan. I was not expecting to be awarding Mame this year. Nobody was, bestie. But I wanted to award Wedding Plan because I think Mame did a good job deconstructing. And playing around with the types of dynamics she likes to put with her characters. And then telling a genuinely queer story within the structures of BL. I think that that is an incredibly impressive feat. It can't be overstated how complete Wedding Plan feels as a work. I have no lingering questions about the cast of characters in the show. This show was not being greedy with the audience's attention and hoping to milk us for more after the fact. They just sat down and told a really compelling story about what it means to try and work your way out of the closet in the least destructive way possible. Excellent job. This is the Best Direction Award. This is awarded for overall vision, filmmaking style and visual impact. So photography, cinematography, shot selection, editing, directing, actor movements and expression. These are all the elements that go into the Best Direction criteria. Our runner-up goes to Ishibashi Yuho, who directed Our Dining Table, and Tokyo in April is. So the directing team here is Ishibashi Yuho as the main director. On our dining table, 
They directed along with Izuka Kashu and Kamimura Naho. The DP or cinematographer is Hayasaka Shin. The editor is Takahashi Masakazu. On Tokyo in April is Ishibashi Yuho, directed with Honda Daisuke and Kishida Masayoshi. The DP is Kato Taishi. And the editor is Ohashi Masakuzu. Japanese direction is so specific. It comes from a very theatrical tradition. And sometimes I find that a little hard to digest depending on the strength of the actors. But generally, I tend to like it. The theatricality to the direction, the fact that the set is seen sort of as a stage and the actors enter and exit and move around in the space. It requires an understanding and awareness of space, both on the part of the actors and definitely on the part of the director. Because what you then put in front of the camera, because the camera, it moves, yes, but when you're talking about Japanese direction, camera is largely static and everything else is moving within the frame. You're not really watching Japanese media until you start noticing that they're slowly zooming in on a character and that as a character is slowly excluded from the frame, they are not part of the current emotional beat that we're on. You're right. When the camera does move, it doesn't tend to be moving across the shot, but sort of in and out. So maybe the camera is zooming or maybe there's some kind of dolly movement happening, but the dolly movement is going for depth into the scene rather than moving across the scene. It is so fascinating. And I think that Ishibashi Yuho is sort of a master of it. Thinking about the direction in our dining table, the way that she shoots the Ueda house, how you get an understanding of the space inside the Ueda house without the camera moving around very much, but where the camera is placed becomes important and what the camera focuses in on becomes important. And then how those shots are pulled together become important. I really hope we get to see her doing some more stuff in genre because I like where her priorities are. Not only is she really good at running a set and creating projects that are really easy to grok and connect to, She seems to care about the way gay men are presented in her work. And I really appreciate that. Congratulations to our runner-up. Ben, why don't you tell us who our winner is? The winner for Best Direction this year goes to Bekinu and Werner Duplessis for The Eighth Sense. Director of Photography, Yang Yusung. Edited by Werner Duplessis. This project was a Korean and German team-up, and it was unlike much of what we had watched from Korean BL in the last couple of years. They very much leaned into like a... What's the German term for their coming-of-age films? Bildungsroman. It feels a whole lot like that, but it also feels... Like a moody Park Chad Vuk film the whole time, too. It was really fascinating watching these guys blend their styles together and bring out these really strong performances and a lot of unknowns. 
There's a lot. Like, I'm just sitting here thinking. I'm thinking about the frenetic filming of episode six. I'm thinking about the way they filmed Jaywon losing it and running to Sok Taehyung. The way they used the framing of perspective when Jiyeon sees whatever that nasty girl's name was <laughs> kissing Jaywon in front of him. It's really good. I concur. It is really good. And the filmmaking... I mean, some of the things that they were able to do, I think there was an entire second unit that just handled the surfing scenes. And those scenes are truly impressive. The way that the water work was shot, it mimicked the sense of being on the waves, that feeling of never being entirely stable and occasionally getting knocked over. And it still captured the beauty of being in the sea. And then, like you said, some of the frenetic filmmaking around J1's mental state and how that episode that you got so pissed with everybody else about, about them saying that it wasn't real, but it felt dreamlike for a reason because J1 was probably like tits up out his mind on some kind of drugs, maybe. So it feels surreal. The way that the episode after the accident, when they come back to school and you don't know what exactly happened, and the whole thing is sort of tinged in this subdued, almost monochrome coloring until you find out what happens and then the color slowly starts coming back to the show. It's very, very well executed from a direction perspective. The way that the camera moves, the way that the actors are directed, the way that the show is edited together, just every aspect of the visual filmmaking. The overall vision for the show is coherent, it's cohesive, it's comprehensive, and it's damn good. Best Direction 2023 Vibe Award goes to The Eighth Sense. Back in you, and we're in a duplicy. We have come to the end of our Immortal Technique Vibe Awards segment. Next up, tomorrow, if I have edited this correctly, always the caveat, we will be looking at our top things. All of the top tops, the highest highs of BL for 2023. So until then, we out. Say bye to the people then. Peace.